Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Judy Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. In this episode of Team Anywhere, we interview Stephanie Morris, CEO of Shape America. Shape America serves as the voice of over 200,000 health and physical education professionals across the United States. Since its founding in 1885, the organization has defined excellence in physical education. Stephanie shares an incredible story pre-COVID of how after hearing the CDC talk about the success they were having by only having their employees come to work on Tuesdays, decided to go cold turkey and had her employees stay away from the office for six weeks. The success of Shape America lies in having great empathy for its employees and having weekly rituals that build deep connections. Monday, they have check-ins regarding the weekend. Wednesday is a free-for-all asking a deep question. And Fridays is a time for fun, reflecting on the week that was. Our greatest takeaway from the interview is how Stephanie had to really determine who she had to be online while staying true to her extroverted self. What Stephanie also demonstrates is that empathy and flexibility are perhaps the greatest energy boosters and perhaps would not have happened without sending her employees home and telling them not to come back to the office no matter what. Today, we are very happy to um, have Stephanie Morris from Shape America. And she is an outstanding example of not only a leader who embodies the building of culture in her organization, uh, but also doing it remotely. And her story is a fascinating one of how to think of if this is the way we used to do it, when we were all uh, down the hall, how do we transform that and have even better communication uh, through remote? So welcome, Stephanie. Thank you. Great to and, be here. And um, I would like you to start, if you would, with just telling your story, since it is a marvelous story. And from there, we can jump off with some deeper questions. Sure. I'm pleased to do that. And uh, thank you for the incredibly kind and generous introduction. It's just a, a thrill to be here and, and have the opportunity to talk about this subject because it has in an interesting way become um, something I'm passionate about. So um, I have been with Shape America for almost three years now. And uh, early into my first year, I had the opportunity to do a site visit at the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta, Georgia, because they are a huge partner to Shape America. Um, we do a lot of work together. So I was visiting with them um, at their headquarters, and they were explaining to me that they have this interesting model, or at least the school health branch has this interesting model where everybody works from home four days a week, and they only come in together to be together in person one day a week on Tuesdays. And they were raving about this model. They couldn't stop talking about it. It changed their lives. Um, everyone should do this. They've become um, ambassadors for it throughout the rest of the CDC. They actually go and present on 
um, all this for why it works so well and it's so effective to within the CDC. And I was so intrigued by this. And so I said, could you share that presentation with me? I'm really curious to hear about this. <laughs> and I also have to admit, I kind of had this thought of if the federal government has figured this out, how is it the rest of us haven't? It's really <laughs> interesting, right? You don't always right. see the federal government being on the cutting edge of some of this kind of stuff. So they sent me the presentation. I shared it with our senior team. And this is also, I should add, in this moment where we have been in the process of selling our physical building, our headquarters in Virginia, mm. for a little bit of a complicated sale because there's other buildings involved. But we know that at some point we are selling that building. And I had this thought that it might be really interesting to do sort of a, a test, a pilot, if you will, of a similar uh -huh. type of program um, that the CDC had to see really in my mind at the time, it was to think about how much space will we actually need once we sell this building, right? How let's right. make a decision about this and thoughtful. And while we still have the luxury of a building, let's test it out. So I convinced my senior team uh, that we would try this for six weeks. We would uh, take on exactly the same model that the, the CDC was using. We would all work from home four days a week, and we would come together one day a week. Stephanie, that's amazing, right? Just the thought of doing that. Keep, keep going. This is Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and I will tell you, they all thought I was a little bit crazy. <laughs> Half of them said, this is the best thing ever. You know, we're really excited to try this. Half of the staff and half of the staff came to me. I mean, literally, I remember them popping into my office and saying, so I'm just going to keep on coming in. OK, because, you know, I just live down the street. I, I walk to work and I had to say to them, no, I actually need you to pretend like we don't have the building, like we are renting space from a WeWork type of place. Uh -huh. And they said they they really <laughs> crumbled. It's just true to admit this. But they humored me um, and we tried it for six weeks. The other thing I should share is I, I said, I realized some departments really aren't going to be set up to do this and it's okay. So I was thinking finance in particular, HR. Um, I gave a couple of departments a little bit of an out if they wanted it. So what was really interesting at the end of the six weeks, I sent an anonymous survey to ask people how they felt about our little experiment and overwhelmingly, I'm going to say 95% of the of the responses were were basically, please don't change, please don't make oh, us go wow. back to how we used to do things. Uh, there was some desire for a little more flexibility. Some people said, you know, we would just like the opportunity to come into the office if we want to, um, but we love this. Please don't change back. Please don't go back. And couldn't uh, quite let go, could they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was fascinating. And the other really interesting thing to me was the teams that I gave sort of an out to were the first to figure out how to make it work. And they also mm. went with the, the model. I mean, that was really interesting. And they were innovative and smart and did everything in a very secure way. Um, but they were motivated. And so it worked out really well. So we, I, I made a few small adjustments um, in terms of offering a little more flexibility, but honestly, I, I was surprised myself at how I had adapted to it and was really enjoying it as well, this mo new model. And so we agreed to continue it. 
Um, and what happened after that over the course of, I'm going to say roughly a year, maybe a little under a year, is that increasingly no one was coming into the office. And not only that, but we were uh, starting to grumble a little bit about who would go into the office <laughs> to handle basic functions, to make sure the building was secure, was safe, was okay, um, and to make sure that the mail was being processed. Uh, so fast forward, uh, we, you know, we, we go through quite a bit of time under this model and everybody's really pretty happy, um, which, which was great. We were really finding ways to make it work. Um, but we last summer realized that there were pretty significant repairs that were coming up that we needed to make mm -hmm. going to be in the building at all. In particular, air conditioning, right, which is really important in uh, Virginia, in a Virginia summer season. Um, and, and there were a number of other things we were starting to worry about. So we were looking at tens of thousands of dollars worth of building expense um, if we were going to keep the building. And uh, our CFO came, really came to the team and said, I've run the numbers and I think we can actually save upwards of $100,000 a year. Yeah, if we decide to shut the building down and vacate it completely and ensure it as a vacant building until we sell it. Wow. Yeah. And so we all did some thinking and planned out a timeline and taught, we talked to the staff a lot about what this would mean, what this would look like. Are we really ready to do this? Yeah. Um, honestly, overwhelmingly, we were ready to do it. Uh, you know, people were thrilled of not having to take turns to come in at all anymore. Mm -hmm. So we, um, we, op we had operation to clutter <laughs> underway. We cleaned the things out. We rented bins. Uh, we scanned paperwork and documents. We worked with our archivist at Springfield College to ship loads and loads of boxes. I mean, as you can imagine, because of the work we do, we had um, things from the previous Olympics, right? And, <laughs> and all donated sculptures and artwork. So we made sure that we were preserving the artifacts and the history of this 100-year-old association um, and shipped things appropriately. Um, and by November of last year, of this past fall, mm -hmm. we were ready. And so we completely shut down the building. We worked with the county to um, put, you know, put the appropriate things in place to make it a safe, vacant building. And we transitioned to 100% remote work. Um, we agreed that about once a quarter, uh, those of us who still lived in the D.C. metro area would come together. And I secured a, a private room um, at a local restaurant for that opportunity. Yes. Uh, thrilled to have us, which was great. Uh, we did that once before COVID-19 really shut down. <laughs> The second time we would have gotten together would have been March 17th for St. Patrick's Day. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, and here we are. And that, that preparation, that transition for us meant that when COVID-19 happened, we didn't blink. You know, we just mm -hmm. pivoted and really immediately um, changed everything we were focused on from planning a national convention in April to how do we help our teachers teach in this very unprecedented, challenging wow. environment? Because our teachers are so dedicated. They want to teach. They want to have the most impact possible for their students. But PE, thinking about teaching PE virtually, 
That's I know, important, yeah. Right? You know, we've yeah, all yeah. it traditionally in terms of sports units and collaborating on teams and all of that. So we rallied and we worked with uh, our top content experts in the field and we just frankly cranked it out and really got resources wow. out there and were, and were in touch with the community. We also launched a lot of advocacy efforts to protect funding and support for PE and health in our schools. A lot of principals, understandably, and superintendents were, were you know, worried and anxious. Is this still something we should be teaching? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And here's what it looks like. And here's why it's so important for our kids. Um, so that's, that's really where we are today. We'd like to take this opportunity to thank our sponsors. Marymount University, Arlington, Virginia, School of Business and Technology. Innovative solutions, upskilling for the what's next economy at marymount.edu. And Oyster Organizational Development, dedicated to higher performance, business success, and leveraging teams. They can be found at oysterod.com. And finally, WeJungo, designing customized talent acquisition solutions at wejungo.com. Perfect story. And of course, you were already doing it yourselves. So you were able to pass on all of that learning and mindset um, with your your customers, your members, et cetera. That's marvelous. So here you are in that environment. How are you um, keeping engagement alive, keeping your culture alive? Yeah, that's a great question. And one that I definitely, I I fully admit, I wasn't sure what this was going to look like when we started this transition process. Um, But we set up a few rules immediately from the very get-go that I think have made a huge difference. The first rule is that no matter what, um, for meetings, uh, one-on-one or in groups or in an all-staff meeting, everybody's video camera is turned on. Nonverbal communication is essential, right? To building culture, to building relationships, to understanding each other. So the video camera is always turned on. And I've also made it clear, I don't care what people look like. As long as you are relatively appropriate, But my point is, if you found time in your busy day to sneak in a workout and now you're going straight into a meeting, I'm fine with that. It's really okay. And this team has seen me in that exact same situation at times. And at first, you know, they were a little, whoa, you know, this this is a new version of Stephanie. Uh, We're not, you know, this is different. (laughs) But I think the fact that I also, you know, was walking that walk helped it make it make it easier for everybody else to adapt and, and move into that as well. The video cameras are always on. Um, The second rule is that we always really check in with each other at the beginning of the week. I check in with the senior team and everybody else really is required to have a team meeting on Mondays to check in. Okay. Ask how you're doing. What's the week ahead look like? Are we feeling okay? How was our weekend? Do we have any stories to share? And I think those things have made a big difference. The other thing I would say... um, And I fully admit, I am not good. One of my uh, weaknesses as a CEO is um, the water cooler chat, as I call it, right? Right. Time to just breathe with the team and share stories and be personal. Um, All of that. I am definitely, I tend to go into a meeting and, hey, let's talk about this. Let's, what do we got today? What's going on? Let's get to work, right? Right. Yeah. 
so I, I had to think about the fact that we had to be intentional about those opportunities for water cooler chat or cultural chat um, and getting to know each other and keeping those stories flowing. And so twice a week, um, we send an email um, that is meant to just do that, allow stories to be shared, photos to be shared. Um, one of those emails happens on Wednesday. We call mm -hmm. it our Wednesday email and there's uh, different prompts that we use. So recently um, the prompt was, we were all feeling really down this week. I think it's been a really hard week for COVID-19 cases in particular, right? Everybody's Everybody's been really down this week on my team. So on Wednesday, uh, I, the team member who was assigned, we, we, we take turns for who will send this email. The team member whose turn it was um, to do the prompt, her prompt was, what's one thing in the next five to six weeks that you are looking forward to that's not going to change no matter what? That's great. Regardless of new COVID-19 cases, what's one thing you're looking forward to that's not going to change? She herself is having a baby in four weeks. Oh, gosh. Baby. Right? Really fun that she got to say, my baby is coming into this world. And that's going to happen no matter what. So it's pretty exciting. Uh, but yeah. everybody else really jumped on fast. And we're sharing stories and photos about the one thing, whatever it is, big or small, that they're looking forward to in the next five to six weeks. Um, the other email we send is on Fridays. And it's our What Made Your Week email. And it's just meant mm -hmm. to be something positive and it can be something that happened professionally within our organization, or it can just be completely personal. It's whatever you feel like. And of course, not everyone has to chime in. It's, it's if you feel like it, it's if you're inclined. Uh, but I think it really keeps all of us going to see those share outs happen each week and to chime in and jokes start flowing. Lots of jokes. One of our team members was volunteered to be our homeschool teacher. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I'd send my kids right over. I was looking forward to it. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So those are, those are a couple examples of how we've been trying to keep the personal connection going. It, yeah. Um, it sounds like you've um, been really reflective in some of your practices, which is something that it didn't occur uh, pre-COVID. Thanks, Mitch. That's, I, that's a really nice compliment. And I try to be. Um, I will say what's really cool and interesting in the work that I do um, is that we have been really focused on what physical education looks like today. It's not what you and I experienced. Um, it's And it shouldn't be what too many kids still experience. And that is really where it's just built around traditional sports models and fitness testing. Um, before COVID-19 happened, we were already rolling out programs and resources and really making a point to talk about the social emotional learning aspect of physical education, the mental health aspect that should, should come with it. And that reflection and mindfulness as part of a physical education program is really important for kids from pre-K through 12. So what's cool is one, that's really influenced my thinking as a person. And I realize how important it is for us as adults to adopt the same practices we believe our kids should be having. And two, um, it has... It, it has really, especially since COVID-19 has happened, um, it has really 
allowed us as an organization to to adopt those practices, but also to push them to the forefront of the conversation about what yeah. fitness should look like today because yeah. kids are at home. So everything has to look different no matter what. Right. right. Interesting opportunities in this crisis. So are you like, what I'm hearing is that, um, the com- so the conversations have become more reflective. Um, but it also sounds like the conversations have become much more mission centric. And I'm just wondering if, um, has, has forcing people apart, um, for, uh, for you, for you, has it, has it actually brought people to focus more on what's, what's important? Cause it seems like this time is having people look at what's mo- most important. Um, I was on an interview yesterday and, and the person I was interviewing said, you know, I've really realized what's important. And, and this woman says, I get to spend much more time with my kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. When, when, so there's sort of two pieces to that, which are interesting to think about. The first is when, as of November, we really went to this model and really you could see this happening before we were a hundred percent there. The um, happiness factor, the the positivity of where the organization was going and the um, happiness, the feelings of happiness and, and uh, about working there were really high. And this is important because, to, to point out because Last year was a year of major restructuring and layoff for our organization. We made a conscious decision to stop doing one program, start doing another, but we knew as a team making that decision that benefits would have to be cut and a lot of positions would have to be lost. Really hard stuff. Yeah. Um, Right? But in this year, last year where this happened, I continued to do anonymous um, surveys to check in on the culture and the the pulse of the organization to see how people were feeling. It and really overwhelmingly, for the most part, people continued to feel positive that they saw themselves continuing to work at the organization in the next three years. That they liked where the organization was going. They agreed with the direction. They felt they had clarity around their role, um, and they were committed to the mission. They and they and the organization. I attribute that significantly to the flexibility we offered in this new model where people did have more time with their kids, more time for themselves, more time for whatever reason. Um, And what we also saw happening is not just the happiness piece, which was really exciting, but the productivity really increased. And people were the first to acknowledge this, you know, in these surveys, I, I noticed it that we were just getting a lot. We were producing a lot more than we have been, but people were also fairly free, uh, freely sharing in these surveys. I, I put in more work during the day. Mm-hmm. Happy to, cause I'm not in my car. So it was really cool and exciting to see all that and not totally expected. I'm the first to admit, I, I used to have much more of an old school mindset that sometimes it's really important to be together. That's how collaboration happens. That's how innovation happens. That's how this gets sparked. I have done a total 180 from that frame of thinking at this point because of what I just had the opportunity to experience, the good fortune yeah. experience with, with this setup and with this team. Yeah. It's, now, it's- how do you bring, um, and you may not have had this yet, uh, however, I'm sure you've thought about it. How do you bring a new person on mm-hmm. and relay mm-hmm. that this is who we are in our culture mm-hmm. and assess mm-hmm. 
whether they're going to be able to handle it. Mm -hmm. I'm really glad you asked that question. And I'm actually really excited about that um, for a couple of reasons. We have hired one person to date since we moved to this model. We, that person transitioned last spring uh, and came on to the team. We recently hired another person who starts, uh, I think, next week. Yes, August 3rd. Um, the first person lives in the greater Metro DC area, uh, but we were already sort of in this COVID-19 place and we transitioned, you know, virtually. Um, but there was a, I, I share that it was a DC Metro area hire because there was a safety net a little bit in terms of IT helping this person get really set up. Um, if they you know needed that in-person support and mm-hmm. beyond that, we, we did everything virtually and we organized one-on-one meetings with different members of the team. Um, we invited this person to different team meetings and group meetings just to really get a feel for who we are as an organization, the work we're doing, our culture. Um, and it's gone beautifully. She's done a remarkable job and has really transitioned well and is, is making all of it work. Um, the second person I'm even more excited about because this person lives in Missouri and I, this person is an amazing content rock star, just a person that prior to doing this, I would never have had the opportunity to hire. And I'm really excited for that opportunity. This person also happens to be a person of color and our opportunity to advance diversity within our senior has not really, um, been as easy to obtain. Again, I think in part because of living in one area and thinking we had to hire from within that geographic area. Yep. Yep. So I'm thrilled. Like I'm just thrilled for the work we're going to do in the year ahead um, and really focus in on helping our schools manage in this COVID-19 era um, to provide effective PE and health. Right. And something you said has come up in a lot of other studies about Um, just accepting the fact that when you hire certain people anywhere in the world now, that you may have to also provide tech support. And because now that is mandatory to to get the work done and just accept it now as a new cost of doing business. Yes, I definitely. So you're, you're down the path. You've, you've been, you've been virtual for what, three years now? Um, I would say we were, you know, 80% um, for the first year that we did this, which was about six to eight months into my tenure at Shape. Um, we've been 100% virtual officially since November. Since November. Great. So what, what, we, what we've been reading from the, the work coming from Cushman Wakefield, the work coming from uh, Harvard Business School, is that the things kind of work out for about four to six months. And then all of a sudden um, people are having issues with trust, with relationship, with connectivity. Um, What you're, you've already done is you say, Hey, you know what? We're, we're already um, finding rituals for that connectivity. Um, We've already decided that because we're virtual, we're going to hire from anywhere, which I don't think a lot of people have actually, can have bit the bullet there. I'm wondering if there's any other things that they passed like the six month, nine month hump, you started to think about things differently 
you started to take on actions um, where you pretty much, uh, you know, the phrase is we've burned the boats, right? We're not going back. I'm just wondering if there's anything else that you can encourage the, the listeners to start to think about that, they, that they're either struggling with or they're not even thinking about right now that they should. I think, um, I think I have an idea for how I want to respond to that, but please feel free to um, sure. ask a follow-on question, right? Yeah. I think um, that, just thinking about my answer a little bit, I think that in this virtual setting, what's most important to me and most important to the senior team and our leadership is that we're either meeting or exceeding our goals. And we've let a lot of the rest of it go, meaning there is truly a lot of flexibility. We, we trust because we see our people are really awesome and good and working so hard to get things done. So if at any point in the day, they're doing something else, assuming that they're not required at a meeting, right? And on their video camera, um, we're fine with it. And I think that's especially important right now in a COVID-19 era when so many parents or let's just not just parents, but perhaps you have um, your own parent who may be elderly, who may be extremely concerned about you, may be a care provider for an adult. Um, and those additional challenges and stresses are very real for so many people right now in this time. I think that it's even more important to allow for that kind of flexibility. Um, and if anything, be mindful that we as leaders have to check in with them to make sure that, that our team is doing okay, that they're taking time to breathe and taking care of themselves and making space for themselves. Cause they probably aren't. I had that, that realization this week. I really. Right. So it sounds like you're, you're ahead on the empathy curve, which is great, you know, cause I think a lot of people are um, figuring out that they have to be more empath empathetic. I think you're, you're ahead on the trust curve is we just need to trust our people. Um, another question I have for you is, um, how have, what, what has been the biggest transformation for yourself as a leader given this time? Um, I know the first, you said the first six weeks was like, is this really gonna work? Um, I was just wondering, what have you learned about yourself? What has been the, the hardest thing that you've actually learned about yourself, but you've, um, you've grown from it? That's a great question. I was definitely anxious about my own ability to adapt to the situation. I mean, for a couple reasons. First, you know, my previous positions, um, there were times when I worked for a really large organization um, previously, and uh, it was so large and I had such a big team that I was struggling to connect with different pieces of it and understand what, what their pain points were and how I could support them better. So all to say, I moved myself. I moved out of my office for about six months. I moved into a cube. I loved it. I loved being in a cube because I'm an extrovert and feeling voice, hearing voices around me and feeling the energy of people around me really was awesome. And I remember that distinctly. So being such an extrovert, I was really worried that I was going to go a little crazy myself work, you know, not being around people. Um, the other thing is, honestly, I just love putting on clothes and makeup and pulling myself together. And, um, and that whole, there's that, that is just a piece of who I am as a person. Um, 
And I really worried about both pieces that I would feel a little bit of a loss of self-identity and struggle with that. Mm. Yeah. But what's been really interesting um, is how, and and in a great way, how I just remarkably adapted to this and also felt my own sense of happiness and positivity, uh, primarily about being closer to my kids, my family, um, and having more time with them and not being stressed about traffic um, and having a more flexibility myself to pitch in and help with something if I wanted to, and I was able to, not that there aren't plenty of stress points, right. When things conflict, but this is, this is definitely, this has allowed me a lot more opportunity to manage all of those things as a CEO, um, as a working mother that otherwise would be much harder. Uh, And I think the extrovert piece of me is in this beautiful way, totally okay because of the zoom connection, the zoom calls, the video cameras, the Skype calls. Um, I, I definitely hear people who say they feel zoomed out at the end of the day, you know, it's too intense. They feel like they're looking at themselves or other people too intensely all day. <laughs> yeah. It's almost more intense, isn't it? It is. It is. And yeah. I'm trying to be mindful of that to make sure we're not doing too many of these back to back on our team that we have some breaks in between that we remember to do movement breaks in particular for us. Everyone should be, but you know, that that's such a part of our mission. And I think that really is helping. Um, but for me, as just an extrovert who just is, I thrive. I get my energy off of being around other people. I am great. I'm okay. Which is great. <laughs> oh, I'm going to, I'm going to dig, I'm going to dig down a little bit. Cause I love the way you brought up um, self-identity. Cause I would imagine, um, as a CEO running a company where you see yourself, um, you know, prior is I have my office or I don't have my office, but I have my floor of people and they're around me and we do lunch or not. What have you found yourself to, to be? Have you, have you been more confident in what you bring to the table? Has it been, um, has it been challenging or are you, do you, do you, can you now still define it, even though your people are not around you? I know your little people are around you, but the, the, the people that you work with. <laughs> right. Yeah. The little people are definitely around sometimes. I am happier. I mean, honestly, Mitch, I have more energy. I have more creative space in my head, in my just overall being. And I think the rest of my team would say that too. And we have these moments you know, I've heard other companies, you'd mentioned this to me too, other companies talking about, we just feel like we're losing that innovative spark and mm-hmm. we're going to be back together in person. That baffles me. I'm having the complete opposite experience. And I think the team is too. I am personally happier. And I feel that. And I bring that happy energy to every day. And I get, and I have these moments of just feeling really excited in meetings about the possibilities of where we're going and what we can do. Um, and I think every one of our team members has made that comment at one point or another since we started doing this. Thank you for that. What, what, um, what leadership, <clears throat> let's call them leadership attributes or people attributes. What attributes have you really appreciated from your team right now that, that definitely shows their, their commitment and, and great leadership? What a great question. Um, I think, I think that what I've really seen from my team that that 
that gives me so much confidence for where we're going as, as an organization and for the growth path that I really believe we're on is that one, um, they are making themselves so available to their team members and to me for sure. When I need it, they are completely there and I'm completely there, there for them. Um, which is just an important piece to remember, I think, as we talk about all this flexibility and the opportunity for flexibility. But we really are there for each other um, and committed to helping ensure that any one of us, if we're stuck or feeling challenged or need something, we have that support. Um, the other thing that I really think I've always valued this and I I'm, I guess I'm sifting through my mind. Has this really changed for in a positive way? I think maybe it has, but I think the um, moments where my team disagrees with me or really wants me to see something different um, or really, you know, they just want me to take a completely different angle on something their their opportunity to do that, I think has probably increased because they have the emotional energy and the bandwidth Oh. because they're in this more flexible environment where they have more opportunity to breathe and take care of themselves and their families. Right. I, I, I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to come at is when you are depleted as a person, right. When you're tired and you've just, you feel like you fought a number of fights today and you don't want to fight anymore. You're just, you're going to let something go. You're done. That happens. That's a natural thing for any one of us as human beings. I think that the more we can keep our energy up and take care of ourselves and, and bring that energy to our day, the more we can be in that place to say, actually, I disagree with you. And I want you to think about this from a different way. I'm going to put the emotional energy into this conversation. Yes. Even if it feels uncomfortable for a minute, even if I'm not sure you're going to be happy with what I'm saying, because I want you to think about this differently. Yes. I think that is happening more because of this. And I welcome it every time. It, it keeps me, it makes me so much stronger as a leader. It makes us stronger as an organization. Do you think that that is just happening in the world or do you think it's happening because of your leadership? Because this is, this is, I've never heard this before. Um, so, you know, tell me about your leadership that might be attributing to this. That's a really kind thing to say. I, I, I try to keep myself pretty grounded and humble. I don't know. I think, I think that the, what's happening in the world, our decision to move to this is um, definitely a key factor. I also think my team is just an amazing group of people. Mm -hmm. And um, I, yeah, I also, um, I think that as a leader, my job really that I have to remember on a daily basis is to be open-minded and really listen to the great people on my team who know what they're doing. And in moments of disagreeing with them, if I really do think we should take a different course or make a different decision than what they'd want me to do, I really make sure I'm talking it out with them and then I can get them as comfortable as possible to why I want us to go in this direction. And I try to also make that a really rare, rare moment. Because I mm -hmm. just believe if you have really good people on the team, listen to them and 
even if you are, if you have reservations or something's holding you back, voice them and invite discourse on, on why it's going to be okay. That's a key word you just used, invite them back. And I think you're role modeling that. And this new way of working with many faces on the screen, they're seeing it live. And they're then learning from that, that this is okay. Mm. And when you're in a building, it's sort of these one-offs. You're all learning together. Mm. I love that point. Yeah. And I'm really proud of the board's decision and willingness to try this because mm-hmm. understandably, understandably, they were really anxious about the opportunity for in-person conversation and what this would look like and if they could be effective as a governing group. Yeah. We, we first tried it two years ago, again, primarily due to budget cuts, just doing the math and saying, well, we can keep a position on the team or the board can travel and be together in person three times a year. And the board said... Yeah. No, don't lose a position. We hate, we don't like this, but we, let's try it. And, and we did. And again, what's really awesome and remarkable is one, we had that engagement that we, that we all realized, wow, that was it. people that don't usually speak up were in the chat box and we got to hear from them. And that's great. The other thing that many of them said afterwards is that saved me so much time. Right. From not having to travel from South Dakota or McAllen, Texas, you know, which is incredibly the most southern point of that state, it saved me so much time. I loved it. Thank you so much. Let's keep doing it. So fabulous. You have really covered a lot of different um, topics about leadership, about role modeling. I think anyone uh, who is listening and seeing this will notice the importance and strength of that. The points that you made about creating this comfort zone, of being truthful, of just saying, this is what, I I disagree with that. What do you all think? And then they they can use the chat or they can speak up. So you're also creating and learning together the language of how to make all this work um, and keeping the energy up and that you're you are doing these pulse surveys and addressing those issues. Um, You use the word mindfulness and more focused on these things. Um, These are important components, I believe, for any work environment and your team, and this reality of going remote is making those skill sets even more important. You can't hide anymore, <laughs> right? And, uh, uh, yeah. And I love that you all first did a pilot. Now, how did that go? Then everyone had their feedback. Now let's go to the next stage. Just a beautiful uh, case thank study. You. I okay. do. Thank you. I do feel for uh, the organization, for all of us that that pivot, had to pivot so fast, right? Mm-hmm. And figure out so many things so quickly because of COVID-19. We had the luxury to test, to check in with each other, to adapt, to put systems in place, especially on the finance end of things, on the HR end of things, Um and and we were we got there just a few months before 
everybody else had to get there. So yes. I'm grateful for that. What a luxury. Yes. And, when and I, the lesson is still there. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, what I, what I really appreciate, um, I really appreciate you uh, being vulnerable and sharing um, <clears throat> that you really checked in with your self-identity. Who am I? But even more, what is, you know, what is now the purpose of a CEO, you know, given the the fact that everyone is dispersed and how must how must I model um, myself so that the rest of the organization understands that, you know, we're digging down into into what are our emotions. We're digging down into what is what is our mission. We're digging down into how can we better connect with our our association. Um, and I think that has really uh, kept that connectivity, which is mm-hmm. I think yeah. itself, you know, you know, when you look at your self-identity, when we all look at our self-identities is what are we doing here? And it really is to bring people together, um, especially in this time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Fabulous. Mm-hmm. Stephanie, thank you so much. I even want to have you on again, which we may do. In fact, that, that would be great. You know? I love that. How's it going? Thanks. Right. This was such a, a pleasure. I really appreciated the opportunity to talk with you both. And um, thank you. All right. Well, thank great. you. Thank you so much. And thanks for um, another episode of Team Anywhere with um, with Stephanie and we will see you next time.